Hello, and welcome back to the Sustainable Brown Girl podcast. This show exists to provide representation for women of color in the environmental space, to highlight their stories, and to educate the masses about how to be more eco-friendly every day. From gardening to thrifting, minimalism to veganism, sustainable business owners to influencers, environmentalists to activists, we are all on a journey to taking better care of our bodies and our planet. I'm your host, Ariel Green. Today's featured sustainable brown girl is Anuela Alexander, also known as the Green Goddess Diary on Instagram, where she shares tips for plant parents and new gardeners. Anuela is also the founder of A Green Community, where she aims to connect families and children to nature. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. So let's just like start at the beginning. I always like to hear like your origin story. So tell us how your sustainable journey began. Um, you know, I'm not so sure that the journey began as I was dropped into the journey. I grew up. Well. Okay. <laughs> I grew up on a farm. Um, I'm from a little island by the name of Haiti, uh, the whole island of yes. La Española. And I am from a very um, rural area where it's filled with just like farmers and farmland. So that's what I knew for the first like eight years of my life before I came to the United States. And I've always had this wonderful connection to plants and to nature I've always found so much beauty in it so I I didn't stray too far from that right but of course when you come here and you're an immigrant and your parents have like these American dreams for you and none of it involves agriculture or plants or anything like that you find yourself pursuing things that are not so much aligned with that and that's what mm -hmm. I did um I guess when I fully took um notice of this is what I want to do. This is how I want to live my life is when I was really going through a horrible depression. I was living in Alaska as a behavioral health counselor. And wow. um, like my partner and I had just split up. I had a, you know, like a two-year-old baby and all of these things, like huge life events were happening in my life. And um I don't know, I found myself just wanting to be better, feel better, do better, all of the things. And I think my son was a really huge catalyst in, in me figuring that out because I weaned him off of breast milk and I started giving him regular milk and he had a horrible reaction to it, you know, like, and doctors couldn't really solve it. And I found myself having to do my own research. And that's kind of what tunneled me into like plant-based living and eating healthier and um also the children or i mean not say children but the young adults that i was counseling i was kind of um implementing some of the things that i was learning with them too to try to see if we could wean them off some medications and you know implement a healthier lifestyle overall for them so that they could feel their best mentally emotionally and physically um so there was a lot that like um 
you know, it was it, it was a, a big accumulation of a lot of different things that were, of course, all in sync to get me to a point where I I was really just like, OK, this is the life that I want to live. This is the lifestyle that I that I meant to embrace. Yes. Wow. Yeah, I can totally see how that correlates to I mean, like sustainability isn't just like, you know, using glass jars and, you know, shopping secondhand, like it's literally like a whole lifestyle change, you yes. know? Yes, it is. Those are great steps to getting to that lifestyle. You know, I try to not, um, yes. I always tell people when they, when I have consultations with clients, um, I let them know you, you don't want to do anything drastic when you're, when you're, figuring things out in your life, you know, how you want to live changes that you want to make. You don't want to go too drastic. You want to just take like small little steps and using mason jars, all of those things, making those little changes are great, you know, like little starter goals to the bigger picture. So I love it. Yes, exactly. Yes, I love it. Um, so you're from Haiti and then you lived in Alaska. Like those are completely different places. Like how I'm sure that that had a big thing to do with your mental health too, like with the, you know, like such a big change. Yes. Yes. Um, wow. It seems like ages ago because it is ages ago. I only brought up yes. um, that part of my life because it's part of the story, but it's such a long yeah. time ago. Oh my God. It's, it's hard to remember. It's hard to even fathom that I did that because wow, the web insane right. um the it didn't help that there was no sunlight for literally like six months when i was going through right. those big life changes it didn't help at all yeah yeah <laughs> uh, wow but oh my god i found different joys i found different ways to to you know center myself and joy and wellness mm -hmm. and i definitely um, give thanks to all of the research that I was doing and all of the people that I was able to find and blogs that I was able to read. Oh my goodness. Um, definitely had huge change of perspectives while I was there. Right. Yeah. Wow. So tell us how a green goddess diary came, you know, came about. Oh my gosh, girl. Okay. So <laughs> the funnest story. Um, so when I first moved back home to Florida, I met a friend and her and I were just like two moms who really were in love with plant medicine, um, cannabis to be exact. <laughs> so mm -hmm. <laughs> we were just like, man, um, you know, I was in the mind frame of, I don't want to like work for anybody. And she was in that same mind frame. So we started a business and we called it the Green mm -hmm. Goddess Shop. And from then on, um, you know, like we kind of eventually went our separate ways or whatever. And I did a little bit of soul searching because it wasn't I like I really love that industry, but I realized that it was too limited here where I live in Florida. It was just, you know, just way too limited, way too costly to mm -hmm. start up. Um, and it, it just didn't feel well, the things we were doing didn't feel completely aligned with who I was and the person that I was evolving into. So I let that go. And I really love the name because I felt like I embodied that person and I came up with the name and all of the things. So I was yeah. like, you know what? I'm just going to 
I'm just going to try something out on social media. I'm going to start a page where I try to influence or try to, um, um, what's the word? Uh, inspire. Inspire. Yes. Try to influence mm-hmm. or inspire people to make the kind of life changes that they've been wanting to, but maybe they just don't know how, or they don't know what it looks like or what it could look like. So let me just put my life out there in that sense to see if people will respond well to it. And that was pretty much yeah. how that page was born. Yes. I love it. So um, you said that you grew up. When, how old were you when you moved to the I U.S.? I was eight and a half. Okay. So you grew up on a farm and how, like, at what point did you get back into like your natural roots? You know, I mean, I guess you kind of said with your shop, you started that, but like, what exactly like kind of led to that? Um, I think what led, I don't, I don't know that I ever really got out of it, to be honest. Um, Because growing up where I was always, you know, into making natural things like with my hands i've always been um really impressed with how much you can do with so little and nature provides you know it just all provided Mm -hmm. so let's say my mom would i remember one of my earliest memories of being in the u.s was one day my mom was sick and she couldn't go into work and some and you know I woke up I was going to school and I and I heard her like moaning or something in her room and I went in there and she was just like oh my gosh my stomach hurts or something's going on and you know I you my one of my favorite things to do was watch my grandma when I lived back on the islands with her because I was raised for those eight years by my grandma and my aunts and uncles I didn't know my mom yet right so <clears throat> I used to wander around with her and just kind of like watch the way that she would pick certain plants, smell certain plants, you know, um, try them in her mouth to identify things. It was just like really fascinating to me, uh, her wide range of like knowledge that I felt like she just knew everything. And of course, if you know anything about plants, you know that you're forever a student when it comes to that. (laughs) that. Mm -hmm. You never Mm -hmm. know any everything. Um, you may make some you may know some things, but never everything. Um, so growing up, I feel like I was always that person in my friend group that would be like, oh, there's a tea for that, or this plant is good for this, or whatever. But I never really thought it was a strength or it was a it was anything, you know? That, yeah. wasn't, that wasn't really important to them anyway. I would make like face masks for myself and like look up stuff on like when YouTube first came out. Oh my gosh, I wanted to like make videos about like all of the things that I knew or whatever. But of course I did not have the equipment. Didn't even have a phone. So, (laughs) so I never did any of those things, but um, I've always just been, I've always, a part of me has always known that that was knowledge that was sacred and knowledge that was important and that I needed to, to keep in my, like in my mental, like at, at the forefront of my mind. Right. Yeah, that's so important. And that's such a great skill to have to be able to take plants and, you know, make them into medicine, especially when you were a child, like that was something that you were able to do. Like, that's incredible. Yes, it was. And my mom told that story a million times. That's why it's a memory. I had such a big memory for me because I remember 
she would tell it for ages, like forever. Yeah. Like by the time I was like 13, I had heard that story like 500 million times. Her oh, wow. to friends and relatives, you know, she was really taken aback by it too. And I didn't think it, it was anything. I didn't think it was anything wild because where I come from, that's what any other child my age who grew up where I grew up would have done. And that's just the way we're raised, you know? Yeah. Right. Wow. That's amazing. So you are like this plant medicine woman. Um, <laughs> tell us like how, like, what is your mission on Instagram? I know you want to, you know, help people to, well, just tell us, I'm not going to tell it for you. Like, what's your mission? I mean, what the mission started out as yeah. what it is now. <laughs> yeah. Because the platform has changed so much, let's be honest. Right. You know, right. Um, the Instagram, I really have a weird relationship with it. Like I want to go on there and ride for my people and let the people know the information and, you know, put out my knowledge and connect. Um, but then I go on there and feel very suppressed. And I'm like, Mm. Like, what is this? When I first got on there, it was really easy for me to just like write a post about like some plant and like tell you all the things about it. I really saw it as an educational platform. Like I'm going mm -hmm. to be on here giving you educational value um, about something that you are interested in. And that's that was pretty much it. But now I'm finding that um, I really have to figure out how to change the way that I deliver that message. Um, I really have to strategize a bit more and, um, it's hard because I already do so much in my life where that is kind of, it kind of, it takes a backseat, honestly. It's mm -hmm. Yeah. And I share what I feel like sharing now. And sometimes I don't share for a long time and I'm just kind of like, well, I have to figure out a different way to deliver the information and maybe there's another platform or something that I can use to, really get the information out without it feeling like it's suppressed. And I think that'll probably be TikTok, to be honest. Okay. Um, yeah. Because that seems to be the place where people go to um, be more free <laughs> without, yeah. without the algorithms, like right. really constricting algorithms that we're noticing on some of these other platforms like Facebook and Instagram. I think it's a, a bit more freer platform, a bit more welcoming platform. So I'll probably take mm -hmm. it there. And the mission will always be to inform and to provide um, valuable information that people can use in their day-to-day -to, -day to make certain changes, lifestyle changes that they want to implement long-term versus um, here's what I'm doing in my life and I'm so perfect and I get everything right and like whatever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's mm -hmm. definitely um, a place where I want people to feel like, okay, it's okay if I'm not doing all of these things that society tells me I should be doing if I want to be a vegan or if I want to be a plant-based person or if I want to be a sustainable person. We feel, oftentimes I feel like we put so much pressure and guilt on ourselves, whereas that's really not a place for us to... Um, to even go like it doesn't belong to us that guilt and that pressure doesn't belong to us if we're honest it belongs to bigger corporations that mm -hmm. are out here making the big decisions without really 
any input from us. They really don't care what we've got to say, right? So when it comes to sustainability, um, you're using jars, you're using reusable things or whatever, and you always feel like you're not doing enough because every time you go to the store, something is encased in plastic, you know? Mm -hmm. Or every time you want to buy something, it's, it's packaged so... And there's just so much unnecessary garbage packaging, you know, you feel so guilty with every purchase, but we need, you know, it's out here for us. Like we need it. It's just the companies that need to be making these changes, just like with food, you go to the grocery store, you want to eat healthy, but like, oh, I can't go in the middle of this grocery store at all. Like I can Mm -hmm. pop around the edges if I want to be like, you know, a a sustainable, like plant-based person. So Mm -hmm. um, I think it's important to have that kind of conversation where we resist and we erase these lines, these guidelines that we set for ourselves um, in these narratives of like guilt and pressure and shame. And I don't know, just kind of like do better little at a time, but like not put such an immense um, uh, weight on doing everything perfectly and right. That was yes, yes. And I'm sorry about that, but. <laughs> no, no, you're so right though. We really do put a lot of pressure on ourselves to be perfect. But like you said, we can't be perfect because it's the corporations who are not making it easy for us. <laughs> not at all. They're really not. Yeah. But one way that I know you are trying to educate people and, you know, give them more information is through your organization, A Green Community. So tell us more about that. So I founded A Green Community um, a little after I started uh, my Instagram page. And I really Mm -hmm. started it because uh, I visited a community garden and a underserved community very near me. Um, a place that, you know, I grew up around was part of my childhood. And I just fell in love. I fell in love with the concept that you could take something so beautiful and place it in such a um, rundown area, a forgotten area and bring life, breathe life back into that community, back into that space. I saw how the people around that community looked at that garden when they came in, the the sparkle in their eyes. And it made me so hopeful that I could do something like that. But, you know, for many different other communities, for schools or whatever, and also with my background in um, behavior counseling, I really wanted to do something that is um, pragmatic and that incites change um, in a way that they weren't I didn't see any examples of while I was doing that job. And what I mean by that is, for instance, we would get, um, you know, different young adults or whatever, and they would most definitely come from a behavioral health um, facility um, and they would have like a bag of medications with them. They would have a bag wow. of pills, antidepressants. And I'm talking about like 13, 12 year olds. One of my youngest was like nine, you know, and wow. they're taking these medications and it's because, you know, they're depressed or they're suicidal or they're, they, they have, um, self-harming, um, behaviors and no one was really taking into account that, I mean, yes, there's a lot of different factors like um, households, you know, parents, uh, peers, all of these things, but no one was really taking into effect that 
the food that the children were eating was actually contributing to some of these issues, to some of these mm-hmm. health issues. And being a mother myself and seeing how, you know, something as little as milk can affect my toddler, I knew firsthand that that is a very real contributor. Like food is a very real contributor to the way that we see and move throughout the world. And when I started making those changes in my son's diet, and I started making it for the girls, I realized, you know, there was a change happening. And so when I started this organization, I really wanted to use that experience and that knowledge in a way to make the same kind of changes, lasting changes here in my own community. So I started reaching out to different schools um, to see if they would be interested and me build, building a garden and building a garden curriculum to go along with their classes to see if we could teach their children, K through five, whatever the age is, um, where food comes from, teach them about nutrition, teach them about nature, combine the two and see if it would create some kind of um, evolution in the way that they saw and interacted with food in their own environments, whether it was at the grocery store or at the dinner table at home. And that's just a very long explanation <laughs> yeah. of how this came about. Yeah. Wow. Um, I do hear a lot about how, you know, a certain diet can potentially, you know, lead to behavioral issues. Like I've heard like the dye red 40 is really bad. Really bad. I mean, all the dyes. Let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> But yes, the red 40 is really bad. Um, uh, it's I haven't experimented on it with my own child, but I can mm-hmm. promise you that I've seen the effects of it on countless children. Um, you know, I, I think one of the saddest things I've ever heard from one of my kids was, I think we were growing blueberries and they were like, okay, I know what blueberry flavored things are. And I know... Blueberry makes my drink blue, which it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what is a blueberry? You know, so these wow, are the kinds yeah. of minds that I'm trying to um, reshape and like take some things out and put some new things in because it's necessary. When you have children walking around thinking that blueberry is a flavor and they don't know that it's an actual berry, like a fruit, it's it's alarming. Um, and we have a lot of that going on all around the U.S. It's not just like Florida or Alaska or any of the places right. where I talked about. It's literally all over. You know, we're, we're just unbalanced in that way where we've given so much of our attention to this industrialized place, you know, this this place of like work, work, make money, pay bills, the the whole hamster wheel of it all. And we've kind of let our health decline. We've kind of let our health go. And it's not an equal payoff in my eyes. Like it's, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense. The math is not mathing. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah. It's so important to um, introduce people to the way food is grown. Like I've had a, I have a couple raised garden beds at the community garden and just experimenting with growing things and just seeing how things grow gives you so much appreciation for the food you eat, you know, and the farmers who give us our food, you know, like it's a lot of work, you know? 
Oh yeah, we need to appreciate our farmers a little bit more. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's something that always um, it's a conversation that always it's a near and dear conversation to my heart, but it always feels like I'm breaking my own heart when I talk about Black farmers in America. And yeah. fine, you know, once upon a time we used to really revel in like the work of the land, like it was sacred work, you know, and over the years, we've just slowly backed away from that thought. We've backed away from that reality. And now um, we're, there's such a scarcity in Black farmers. There's such a yeah. scarcity in Black land ownership. You know, we've just kind of really lost touch with the land. And I get it. You know, we have some traumatic history with the land here. It makes sense. Sure. But I think it's well in, I mean... I think it's time that we have that conversation and that we reclaim that for ourselves because there's so much innovation and ingenuity that goes into that kind of work. And um, maybe it's not talked about enough and maybe people feel like it's work that's less than, but really it's the best kind of work you could ever do. It's the best kind of knowledge you could ever have to be able to sustain yourself and your family and grow food, something that nourishes your body, something that you need in order to be alive. You know, it's knowledge that we should all have. It's knowledge that we all have a a, a right to. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. So, like, what's your big dream for a green community? Uh, big dreams. I, I literally have it on my whiteboard right now. <laughs> yes, vision board. Okay. So yeah. So I really, really want um, to have this organization be a part of all of the Title I schools in my um, county. I live in Palm mm-hmm. Florida. Um, I'm currently at one school. I've worked with a few public schools, I mean, private schools, but I really, my goal is to um, have this program in- implemented in um, all of the schools around here because it's necessary. And the problem <clears throat> that I'm solving is really having someone that cares or, you know, just having an entity that cares about a garden, that cares about the education that's coming from that garden and will um, upkeep it and keep it looking fresh and new and replant it every season because that's something that's really hard to find here you know you have a teacher that's interested in a in gardening and then let's say like you know they they go to another school or they um get promoted to something else and that car that garden is just left alone yeah. and done no one else is going to touch it guaranteed i promise you if you don't mm. if you aren't already apt to take on such a project it can be a lot on top of the workload that a teacher is already experiencing because right. it, as you know you know schools are underfunded and teachers are yeah. yeah so um so that's one of the big dreams that i have the other big dream that i have is to be able to um bring this knowledge to people on some sort of platform i don't know what that is i've considered like an app thing in the in the past so maybe it could be something like that but i i want to find a way to bring the things that i do in schools or the classes that i teach and the workshops that i that that i'm facilitating to someone in the comfort of their home because there are people i realize um accessibility is a huge um thing 
for the work that I do, you know, cars, you don't have transportation, you don't, you can't get there, you can't pay for a workshop. There's a lot of different things that hinder a person from accessing this knowledge and accessing, um, you know, uh, this experience. So I want to be able to package it up in some way and send it off to someone's home. And maybe that looks like a subscription box. Um, maybe it looks like, um, you know, just having tangible things that you can order off a website, an e-commerce type of thing. I yeah. don't really know yet, but that's a really big goal of mine. And um, I am kickstarting off a program right now called No Gardener Left Behind. And this is for folks uh, who have homes, who have backyards, but do not have the funds to start a garden because starting a garden is not cheap. Um, right. If you ever started one, you know, it will run you at least two, $300 when you're right. talking about building material, if you want to raise bed, um, soil, mulch, plants, fertilizer, all of the things that go into creating life in a garden costs money. Home Depot is a, is profiting. Okay. And we need to <laughs> Off of me, at least. So yep. I started this um, program called No Gardener Left Behind for folks who qualify. And I'm starting, I'm actually putting together that application today for my site um, for folks who qualify to um, get funded. I will, I organize a volunteer crew. I raise the money. We consult with the, um, the client or the uh, applicant and build them a new garden and just under 24 hours and teach them wow. how to grow the food and come back and give them like at least three lessons so that they can continue doing it themselves. Um, I think this is in a way going to help uh, the communities, the people in the communities that need it the most. You know, there are plenty of people who live in um, the kind of neighborhoods where, yeah, they can afford a home, but they're working all the time just to make sure, you know, like the taxes and the things are paid off in that home and extra money is just not even uh, a subject, you know? So yeah, yeah, that's a really great program that I'm hoping um, rolls out by this month. I'm also facilitating a huge Earth Day event. And this is my first event, like big event that I'm hosting myself since COVID. So I'm really proud of doing this. <laughs> yeah. This is going to be a huge Earth Day event. I partnered up with Westgate Community Farms in my community where we are gathering volunteers to revamp the children's garden because that really went awry during COVID. Like weeds are everywhere. It's it's mm. not girl, it's horrible. So we're just like, okay, let's take a day. Let's bring the community together. You know, like we're going to get food and t-shirts and music and like different vendors and things. So make it really a family fun oriented day, but we're also working and revamping this. Right. So um, right. that's one. I think that's, those are probably all of my goals other than that is just to do more consultations and um figure out a way to build this business um to get to that point where i'm speaking to people just not just in florida but outside of florida too because i'm forever studying and um putting myself in situations where those opportunities can kind of arise, but it's not as frequent as I would like. So mm -hmm. those are like my big, big goals. 
Yes. Yes. I love all of it, especially how you're going to be helping people to grow their gardens and like get them started. Because like you said, there's a barrier of entry. So being able to help people, you know, start growing their own food and like self-sustain, because then once once one person has that skill, then they can kind of pass it on to other people. So you're really like, you know, spreading the word throughout your community. Yes. 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 That's amazing. Um, and so tell me a little bit more about your consultations because you've mentioned it a couple of times. This is, is, what is that? Yeah. So I offer consultations to folks who want a green space. Um, I okay. am a green space designer nice. um, because I, I feel like saying like garden or whatever is a little limiting because I love all plants and I, think, yeah. and I think all plants contribute to a green space. So right. in my home, um, I've built a plant wall and I've consulted a couple people on how to build their own plant wall. So things that I feel like just all of the knowledge that I've accumulated over the years, people want access to, but they want it from a person that they trust and that mm -hmm. has done the work and has experience and that's me so they come to me all the time with questions about gardening um, questions about landscaping questions about soil regeneration questions about building a green space within their homes um, house plants i'm a really big advocate in including greenery into the house because it's a place that we spend a lot of time especially during quarantine i got a shit ton of new plants during quarantine. Yes. <laughs> Still hurt. <laughs> like, I love and, it. And, I, and you know, like, I was really fortunate. I count myself as a really fortunate person to have the means to be able to afford such a luxury in a way because, you know, the, the, um, the plants have become a very, like, commodified thing. Instead mm -hmm. of like, oh, this is nature and it's free and I can have it. It now yeah. is like, oh, rare plants and like, oh, like it's just we're seeing. I feel like the plant world or nature is becoming just as gentrified as some of the city. Facts. Yes, a hundred percent. And it sucks. I hate that. So yeah, much, you know, but that's just what it is. That's just what's happening. And. It's not bad for business for me, but I, I have this outlook on it where like, God, I really wish that wasn't the case. And yeah. um, consulting people about their plants, it's it's a great opportunity for me to introduce them to like different plants that they didn't know about or and to introduce them to different kinds of uh, green space organizings. Like somebody might really be into house plants, but they really don't know how to grow a carrot. <laughs> right you know or vice versa somebody's like oh i only want to grow you know like things i can eat like forget those house plants they can't feed me but at the same time they clean the air in your home like you know being yeah. able to introduce them to new information that's basically what i do when i consult a client um i've consulted about building green walls i've consulted about like having green spaces and offices and um doing research and running up numbers for different clients on how having green spaces in their um, facilities can actually improve the function, the functionality of their whole business, of their employees, of, you know, the people that come into their business. It's just a 
it's just one of those things that I really believe is a cure-all, I guess. Yeah, definitely. We need it in so many different capacities and so many different areas in our lives and so many different places and spaces uh, that we inhibit. Um, so, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. A hundred percent. Plants can be used in so many ways. You can eat them. You can look at them. You can use them as medicine. And apparently you were like the green goddess. You know, all of the things you were educating everybody and I am here for it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I am also here for it because I do it every day. Right. <laughs> I love it. So tell everyone how they can like support you and, you know, just help you reach all your dreams or even work with you. Yeah, I'm very open to collaborations. I feel like um, it is something I've always wanted to do. I feel like I don't get to do too many collaborations. So please reach out to me, girl, guy, non-binary person. You know who you are. If you want to work with me, if you want to talk with me, if you just want to like, you know, connect in any way, you can find me on Instagram at the Green Goddess Diary, or you can find me under um, a green community. Um, and I think there's no FL on there. I'm, I'm pretty sure there isn't. I think it's just the green community. If it's if there is an FL, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put the links in yeah, the, um, the links. yeah. In the um, you can find me there. You can shoot me an email at a green community at gmail.com. I answer to those pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, those are all of my handles. And I promise yes. to welcome you with a super awkward hello. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, awesome. I'm an awkward black girl. I really am. <laughs> hey, you know, it happens to the best of us. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much for joining us, Anuela. And um, our last question is What does being a sustainable brown girl mean to you? Ooh, I kind of, I, ooh, this is good. I'm like, <laughs> What does it mean to me? It means so much. Um, you know, I think being a sustainable brown girl is someone, well, at least for me, is someone who just really cares about um, what we allow in our communities as black and brown people. Um, like, you know, if we're looking at it from an environmental justice uh, lens, then it really means, you know, watching um, different bills and different laws that are set into place. It means really um, honing in on some of these skills, like our God-given skills to be able to grow and um, to reap what we sow. It means advocating for the land that we're on. It means making sure, you know, but we can't really make sure, but making sure that we're at least trying to do something so that these huge corporations don't end up having the last say in what is built in our communities and what's allowed to go in our communities, because that is our sacred land. We need to keep it safe. We need to keep it free of all of these um, chemicals and um, things that they put into our soils. Like it's our responsibility to address those issues and to advocate for ourselves and stand strong in what we believe. Uh, 
and that that is the most I've got there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I totally agree. Very well said. Very well said. It's definitely up to us to make sure that we keep our communities the way that we'd like to see them and, you know, keep that control or take back that control. And it seems like you were doing that through educating the children and the families in your community and just making sure that everyone has access to the best possible um, resources. So yes, thank you so much for what you're doing. And thank you so much for joining us today. I appreciate you until next time. Okay. Yes. If you want to keep the conversation going, follow us at Sustainable Brown Girl on Instagram and Facebook. Check out the website at sustainablebrowngirl.com and send any questions, comments, or topic ideas to podcast at sustainablebrowngirl.com. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about your favorite episode. Donate to Patreon if you can, and be sure to watch the full video interview on YouTube. Until next time, let's continue to make better choices for the health of our bodies and the planet. Thanks for listening.